0: Major funding for NJ Spotlight News is provided in part by NJM Insurance Group, serving the insurance needs of residents and businesses for more than 100 years, and by the PSCG Foundation.
1: Tonight on NJ Spotlight News, Governor Murphy pitches a revived tax on businesses to help rescue New Jersey transit from its financial woes. Critics call it a blow to the state's major employers.
2: Let's just be honest in what this is. Corporate transit fee? IT'S A TAX ON LARGE BUSINESS IN THE STATE OF NEW JERSEY.
1: ALSO FULLY FUNDED, THE GOVERNOR PROPOSES A HISTORIC $11.7 BILLION INVESTMENT
2: IN PUBLIC SCHOOL AID. BUT THERE'S ALSO GOING TO BE MONEY um, FOR OTHER ASPECTS OF EDUCATION, WHETHER THAT'S SCHOOL MEALS, EXPANDING ACCESS TO PRESCHOOL, um, OR A NUMBER OF OTHER INITIATIVES.
1: PLUS, REPRESENTATIVE MIKEY Sherrill SAYS TIME IS RUNNING OUT, PUSHING LAWMAKERS TO FUND AID TO UKRAINE AS THE WAR PASSES THE TWO-YEAR MARK.
3: We are at an inflection point right now, a really critical inflection point where we can either choose to stand with our allies or we can surrender to a brutal dictator.
1: And Rutgers University students uncover a potential breakthrough for Alzheimer's treatment.
4: So that's what's so exciting about this potential drug. It may have dual purposes for helping to prevent the buildup of these neurotoxins and waste.
1: NJ Spotlight News begins right now.
0: From NJ PBS Studios, this is NJ Spotlight News with Brianna Venosi.
1: Good evening, and thanks for joining us this Wednesday night. I'm Brianna Vanozzi. The governor is proposing another record-high budget for the state, roughly $56 billion in spending that will now get vetted by the public and lawmakers through a series of public hearings, closed-door meetings, and political horse trading before getting the legislature's approval by June 30th. Governor Murphy wants more money for education to fund the public worker pension system and continue property tax relief programs, and he's proposing a few new tax and fee hikes to pay for it all. Most notably, what the administration is calling a corporate transit fee. It's a tax on New Jersey's largest businesses to fund New Jersey transit. As senior correspondent Brenda Flanagan reports, critics concede it stops short of reviving a similar corporate business tax, but it sure looks a whole lot like it.
0: Today, we are proposing a corporate transit fee. It will provide a dedicated funding stream for NJ Transit at no additional cost to our working families. Governor Murphy's controversial transit funding plan got very different reactions. Transit
3: advocates cheered. It is hard to overstate how big a deal this is for transit riders and for our state as a whole.
0: But business reps jeered.
2: Let's just be honest in what this is. Corporate transit fee? it's a tax on large business in the state of new jersey to break it
0: down governor murphy wants to keep nj transit from flying off the fiscal rails by imposing a two and a half percent corporate tax surcharge on some 600 new jersey companies that earn 10 million dollars or more a year think amazon and walmart the millions raised would be dedicated solely to nj transit advocates claim that's
3: fair this really sets the foundation for a stable agency that year over year can depend on funding that comes from, frankly, the most equitable source in our state, which is megacorporations that are asked to pay a modest fee to see huge improvements to our public transit agency.
4: There is a logic to this in that companies, especially of that size, um, their customers and their employees depend on transit to get to work, to get to their facility. And there needs to be some acknowledgement of that relationship.
0: The new tax would generate about 860 million in fiscal year 2026, but that's not enough to cover NJ Transit's projected 917 million dollar budget shortfall, the so-called fiscal cliff. But fare hikes could close that gap, and Murphy didn't cancel the agency's proposed 15 percent fare hike plan for this July, or the 3 percent annual fare increases every year afterward. That's a lingering sore spot for progressives. We
5: should not be balancing New Jersey Transit's budget on the backs of our riders. The fare hike should be rolled back, and we should end the raids of New Jersey Transit's capital budget.
0: But many in Jersey's business community feel deeply betrayed by this transit funding proposal. They point to Governor Murphy's repeated promises to let a corporate business tax surcharge sunset last year. The deal's a deal. So we said this was a bridge till we get to a better place, and we meant it. On the other hand, it does exacerbate what is a structural deficit that we're running at the moment. And we have to be clear-eyed
4: about that as well.
0: That surcharge did expire. This new one would impact only the corporate giants, but it'd be permanent. And it's destroyed trust in the Murphy administration, says New Jersey Business and Industry Association President Michelle
2: Sakurka. When a promise is made and a promise is broken, we cannot invest and we cannot predict to the future to make those investments. So. This is not just bad policy when you do a about face 360 on two weeks notice, it's terrible policy.
0: New Jersey Chamber of Commerce president and NJPBS board member Tom Bracken called it a nightmare scenario that does long-term harm to the state's reputation and the economy. There's nothing good about it. Our positive momentum will immediately pay the price since we'll have the highest business tax in the nation. And there's not much applause from warehouse and manufacturing businesses in South Jersey, which suffer from so-called transit deserts of sparse to no service.
2: So, not only are they paying for something that really I'd argue isn't their responsibility to pay for, but they're also paying for something that they don't have access to or use regularly.
0: The governor's budget, including this proposal, now goes to the legislature for consideration, where Speaker Craig Coughlin's already warned any discussion about increasing corporate taxes must be had with our state's long-term fiscal health and a further commitment to reducing property taxes in mind. And truly dedicated funding requires voters to pass an amendment to New Jersey's constitution. Buckle up for a long and bumpy ride. I'm Brenda Flanagan, NJ Spotlight News.
1: The proposed budget also promised a historic investment to New Jersey's public schools that, if approved by the legislature, would fully fund the school funding formula for the first time in state history, increasing aid by more than $900 million, making it the final payment in a seven-year ramp-up plan Governor Murphy signed near the beginning of his time in office. But how many schools end up receiving aid and how much they will get, that will depend on how the administration calculates that formula. For more, I'm joined by our education and child welfare writer, Hannah Gross. Hannah, good to have you on the set today. So let's just start off big picture. What's in this budget for New Jersey's schools?
2: Yeah, so there's going to be about a $908 million increase in school funding, which brings the total to about $11.7 billion, which is a record high for the state. And that's looking at the school funding formula. But there's also going to be money... Um, for other aspects of education, whether that's school meals, expanding access to preschool, um, or a number of other initiatives, there's been
1: a lot of talk since this school funding formula was reformed. There have been uh, a good number of schools that have gotten the amount of aid that they were uh, needed, and a lot of schools that also have not. Mm-hmm. So, who stands to gain and who stands to lose? Do we know yet?
2: So. My understanding now is that it's going to be about 140 districts that are going to be seeing cuts in the funding that they receive. But now that we're in the last year, we're fully funding the formula, it looks like this would be the last year that districts would be seeing cuts based on the formula. They could still see cuts for other reasons, such as changes in enrollment. So I'm thinking about places
1: like Toms River and East Brunswick, Mm -hmm. places that we've covered quite a bit. Why is it, if the state is saying they're putting in more money, that they're actually getting less aid?
2: Yeah, so the school funding formula has like an adequacy budget, which is the amount of money that's required for a thorough and efficient education, according to the law. And so some districts kind of were getting more money than is needed for a thorough and efficient education, and some were getting less. So this is trying to equalize that.
1: Governor uh, Murphy yesterday also hitting on universal pre-K. This is something Mm -hmm. that he's touted since taking office more money for that yes and so more seats for preschool students
2: yeah more money for preschool and part of that will go to expanding it so adding about a thousand more seats so far the administration has added a little bit over fourteen thousand.
1: Uh this of course has to go for approval with the legislature what are we up against uh, what's the legislature and the governor up against when looking at all of these numbers and having the money to make this type of investment
2: yeah i mean it seems like there's not a consensus among legislators about how to proceed with the school funding formula some are saying that now we're reaching full funding it's time to take another look at a formula that hasn't been revisited in about 10 years yeah and some are saying you know what we're reaching the end of the governor's administration maybe we should just wait until the next governor takes office
1: what else did he lay out because there are a lot of other programs uh... when we're talking about schools it's a lot of uh... funding that goes into a lot of different mm-hmm. pots so what other programs would stand to get money
2: Yeah. so cover all kids is expected to get some money and that would be increasing health care for children there's also money to help with the teacher shortage so money for stipends for student teachers and also loan redemption for some teachers those are another
1: yeah what about um, there's been talk of Uh, making universal free school meals in terms of breakfast and lunch. Did the governor hit on that at all?
2: Yeah, they are moving to provide more students with universal free lunch, and they're also going to be providing school lunch in the summer. Devil, of course, is
1: in the details and whether or not this funding Mm -hmm. gets there. We've got now this process that sets off until June 30th. Anything that you heard in reaction to the proposal?
2: I mean, one thing I'll note is Senator Ruiz has been a champion for literacy and improving literacy among New Jersey students. And there's about 2.5 million for literacy screeners that the governor proposed. And Senator Ruiz is saying that's not enough. There needs to be more to improve literacy. And that's something she's going to focus on in budget negotiations.
1: And that was something he hit on in his state of the state. All right, Hannah Gross for us. Hannah, thanks so much. Thanks, Bree. Congress returned to session today, working to avert a partial government shutdown and negotiate a wartime aid package in Ukraine's fight against Russia. The money is currently being held up by a group of House Republicans. Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill was part of a delegation that recently traveled to Ukraine, marking the war's two-year anniversary. This week, she held an event at the Ukrainian American Cultural Center of New Jersey to share her experience and press her colleagues to immediately pass the fight funding. Senior Correspondent Joanna Gagas reports.
3: We are at an inflection point right now, a really critical inflection point where we can either choose to stand with our allies or. We can surrender to a brutal dictator whose vision for conquest goes beyond Ukraine's borders.
6: Congresswoman Mikey Sherrill attended the Munich Security Conference in Germany last week along with a large bipartisan group of lawmakers. She spoke directly with Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky and shared that conversation with folks at a Ukrainian church in Whippany, where she urged the U.S. to continue its financial support of Ukraine. I met with a president
3: who was committed, who was resolute, who was determined, who was going to continue to fight along with the people of Ukraine, no matter what.
6: But the Ukrainians are asking the U.S. for more support as they've recently had to withdraw troops from two more villages near the eastern Donetsk region, losing ground because they lacked the munitions needed to hold the Russians. A $60 billion aid package for Ukraine has cleared the U.S. Senate with bipartisan support, but it's stuck in the Republican controlled House right now. This wounded Ukrainian soldier said that aid would change
3: everything. Soldiers and a lot of soldiers getting killed and wounded uh, because we don't have enough weapons
6: to fight. President Biden and Vice President Kamala Harris met with leaders of both houses yesterday to discuss the looming government shutdown. A major piece of that conversation was aid for Ukraine, which got tense, according to reports. Senate Majority Leader Chuck Schumer had this to say to House Speaker Mike Johnson.
5: Get it done. I told him, this is one of the moments I said, I've been around here a long time. It's maybe four or five times that history is looking over your shoulder. And if you don't do the right thing, whatever the immediate politics are, you will regret it.
6: Johnson told reporters yesterday he believes we must take care of America's needs first.
4: It's being held hostage by a minority of people in Congress, significant and growing minority, of politicians who are ignoring the obvious. This is not spin or hyperbole. On January 23rd, 2023, Sergei Lavrov, the Russian foreign minister, held a press conference and openly declared that Russia's assault on Ukraine was a war with the West intended to create what he calls a multipolar world.
6: Cheryl and all those at the Munich Security Conference learned the morning the conference started that Alexei Navalny had died in Russian prison. Navalny's wife was there with them.
3: Anticipating that she would be talking about his ongoing work and instead she was talking about the brutality of his death. If there was anything that put a finer point on why the Ukrainians are fighting and why we are supporting them, I'm not sure what it is. A nation where simply speaking against the government gets you a death sentence.
6: Congresswoman Cheryl is back in Washington today and plans to sit down with House Speaker Mike Johnson to share with him the details of her conversation with President Zelensky and what was shared here at the Ukrainian church in New Jersey. She said she does believe this bill will pass the house. In Whippany, I'm Joanna Gagas, NJ Spotlight News.
1: In our Spotlight on Business report, state leaders are hitting the gas on a plan to expand an eight-mile section of the Turnpike in North Jersey, but it's getting major pushback from communities surrounding the proposed construction. The New Jersey Turnpike Authority last night held a public information event to give more details on the plan, but things quickly heated up, with environmental advocates protesting the expansion, arguing it will increase traffic and pollution for already disadvantaged communities. Ted. Goldberg was there.
4: Hey, hey, ho, ho, turnpike expansion has got to go.
5: A little rain didn't stop protesters from stopping by last night's open house in Newark, hosted by the New Jersey Turnpike Authority. The authority is planning to widen an eight-mile stretch of the turnpike between Brick City and Jersey City, and experts explained why the $10 billion project is needed.
3: Our number one priority is safety, so replacing these 29 bridges is our highest priority, and that is like the
5: majority of the cost. This is a must-do project. This is something that has to be done. Construction could be a headache, but the authority argues that bridges like the Newark Bay Bridge are at the end of their lifespans. Even anti-expansion advocates agree with that. This is a bridge that was built in the mid-century, a 75-year-old bridge that failed, failed, one of the support structures cracked and failed uh, within the last decade.
4: Our infrastructure is crumbling, but how are they going to do it? Are they going to do it at the expense of people of color and frontline communities?
3: We know that those bridges need repair, but not at the expense of our
5: children's lives. The authority says findings from its draft environmental impact statement are quote, favorable. But advocates say increased traffic will lead to more pollution in communities that have traditionally been dumping grounds.
3: One out of four children in the city of Newark suffer from asthma. I'm a parent of three asthmatic children, right? And when you talk about expansion of highways, you're increasing truck traffic.
0: We've got the airport and the seaport here, second biggest port in the country. The biggest source of diesel pollution, the biggest source of air pollution we have is diesel from the truck operations, this doesn't help. It's it's, a, it's going to create more pollution in a neighborhood that's already heavily overburdened.
5: Advocates also don't buy the argument that the Turnpike expansion will ease traffic, another argument the authority has used.
3: Less traffic means fewer crashes, less pollution. It's better for the climate crisis, but they seem to want to just increase traffic. It's a self-perpetuating, authority.
4: That's a billion dollars a mile. Think what you could do with that 10 billion dollars. You could invest in mass transit, get cars off the street, clean up our air, get everybody moving faster on the highways because there's fewer cars.
3: We don't need you to expand a highway. What we need is better transportation services and then we need you to spend the money to fix the bridges as opposed to expand them and then increase more pollution into our communities of black
5: and brown individuals. Protesters were angry about last night's format. Since it wasn't a public hearing, many of them didn't feel the need to stick around. Some told me the authorities should just fix the bridges instead of widening the entire stretch of Turnpike. Supervising engineer Lisa Navarro says that's not feasible because the bridges weren't designed to accommodate the number of cars driving on them now or in the future.
3: The two lanes in each direction is not practical for maintenance, in addition to the successes of the communities, as well as the, the port as, as it is now, in addition to its increased growth in the
5: years to come. This is a much needed um, traffic engineering marvel that's going to put a lot of good people uh, in good jobs, right? good union jobs. A marvel that could have opponents every step of the way from now until construction starts, which could be in two years. In Newark, I'm Ted Goldberg, NJ Spotlight News.
1: Cleanup work on three toxic waste sites in the state are getting boosted by millions of dollars in federal money. They're part of a larger federal Superfund program put in place under the 2021 infrastructure law signed by President Biden. That's targeting over 100 toxic waste sites across the country. In New Jersey, that includes the Matlack site in Woolwich, the Raritan Bay Slag site and the Roebling Steel Company site. The bulk of New Jersey's share of the funding, about 30 million, is going to Matlack which was used for decades to clean trucks and tankers carrying hazardous substances. The Raritan Bay slag site in Oldbridge and Sayreville will get roughly a million dollars to help clean lead waste lag in the mile-long waterfront of the Raritan Bay and about two million dollars will go to the old Roebling Steel Company site along the Delaware River in Florence Township that was once home to heavy steel manufacturing. This is the third and final installment of a three and a half billion dollar cash-infusion to the Environmental Protection Agency's Superfund program to help clear a backlog of hazardous sites and the health threats they pose to residents. On Wall Street, stocks ticked lower today coming off Tuesday's mixed close. Here's how trading numbers landed for the day. A groundbreaking discovery in the fight against Alzheimer's disease made right here in New Jersey by a group of undergrads at Rutgers University. The team found an experimental drug may help the brain get rid of toxins that cause Alzheimer's and other forms of dementia. I recently spoke with Max Tishfield, a resident researcher at Rutgers, about what this discovery means for treatment. Max Tishfield, great to talk to you. On paper, this definitely looks like a pretty significant breakthrough. What exactly did you and your team find?
4: Yeah, so we have been researching and studying the brain's waste clearance system. And this is a system that allows the brain to clear metabolites and waste, and including neurotoxins. And these neurotoxins um, consist of amyloid beta and tau, And these are culprits in degenerative diseases like Alzheimer's. And what we have found is by studying a mouse model for a craniofacial disorder called craniosynostosis, and this is a disorder that affects how the skull grows, we serendipitously discovered that there were changes to how these systems develop and how they're maintained over the lifespan. And that's very important because recent data has shown that as we age, our ability to clear waste from the brain declines, so there's a lot of interest in understanding how can we facilitate and rejuvenate these brain waste clearance systems, and that's part of what our team was able to find by using this small molecule drug called Yoda1.
1: And how does Yoda1 target uh, that brain waste, as you call it, or the amyloid plaque, which we've really come to know to be synonymous with conditions like dementia?
4: Yeah. Well, I think, I think that question has potentially two answers, um, one of which, as we showed, it facilitates the ability of fluid to actually perfuse into your brain and clear the waste out. And once the waste is cleared out, it's drained through something called lymphatic vessels or meningeal lymphatic vessels. And these are vessels that basically reside around the brain beneath your skull. And these were just discovered 10 years ago. And for that reason... There's a lot of interest in these vessels.
1: Yeah, I was just and, about to ask you why we're just looking at those lymphatic vessels um, and thinking about treatments like sacral therapy, which does a similar process of getting more of that spinal fluid into the brain. Why is science just now getting to look at these vessels?
4: Yeah, well, interestingly enough, these vessels were first described in the late 1700s, but as scientists like to do, they, they tend to argue sometimes and challenge each other's observations, and they were challenged. And because of that, for hundreds of years, we lost sight of, of these vessels. And only within the last 10 years or so were they rediscovered by two different groups. And now that we've discovered them, we can now figure out how we can manipulate them to actually help clear waste, and that's what our drug showed.
1: These tests, these trials are being done on mice, Max. How soon might we see human trials?
4: Yeah, well, as anything with science, the first breakthroughs usually come through in an animal model, and I should say that the drug has not been tested yet in humans. But I think, given the results that we've recently reported and that of others, there may be a push very soon to actually ask, you know, how might this drug affect? Uh, for example, fluid dynamics in a human, of course, would it be safe? Uh, would it have you know, non-toxic properties? And in mice, we know that in fact it does. But I think that's one of the really interesting and important aspects to consider. It could be very safe for human usage.
1: Max Tishfield is an assistant professor of cell biology and neuroscience with Rutgers University. Max, thank you so much.
4: Thank you for having me. It's a pleasure to be here.
1: And that does it for us tonight. But make sure to tune into Chatbox with David Cruz tomorrow night. He's taking a deeper look at the governor's plan to rescue New Jersey transit through attacks on corporations. A panel of transportation experts and policy analysts break down whether it's enough of a lifeline for the troubled agency. That's tomorrow at 6 p.m. on the NJ Spotlight News YouTube channel. I'm Brianna Vanozzi for the entire NJ Spotlight News team. Thanks for being with us. Have a great night. We'll see you back here tomorrow.
0: New Jersey Education Association, making public schools great for every child. And RWJ Barnabas Health. Let's be healthy together. Have some water. So Look hot. at these kids. Yeah, how are you? What do you see? I see myself. I became an ESL teacher to give my students what I wanted when I came to this country. The opportunity to learn, to dream, to achieve a chance to belong and to be an American. My name is Julia Toriani-Crompton, and I'm proud to be an NJEA
1: member.